All right, Nehemiah chapter 5, and let's go before the Lord and pick it up there. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, as we, um, you know, we've just uh, answered our prayers, and our brother Marty, uh, you restored back to us, Lord. We thank you for that, and pray that you just continue to heal him and bless him, Lord. And Lord, Father, we ask that you would just uh, lead and guide us and continue to open our eyes and our ears that we might see and hear all that you want to speak to us tonight, Father. We know Nehemiah is such a great example of a you know, just being so godly and hearing your voice and following your call and your leading and not being distracted or moving aside or being deterred or discouraged, but um, was just faithful. And uh, what a great example he was. And Again, he thought about you and what you want and you desire and you're leading above everything else. And uh, may we grow in that as well, Father. So bless this time as we uh, just read about his life and his story, Father, here tonight. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Nehemiah chapter 5. And I just also want to throw it out, too, while I'm thinking about it. We uh, need to kind of upgrade our our hard drives for uh, the computer and for some of our videos and things and so uh, there's a need there if you want to give towards that that would be a blessing um, so I just thought I'd let you guys know who want to be a part of that uh, a lot of the ministry goes on out over the internet and so we're just always trying to improve and move up on that and uh, we just got a new computer but we're behind on some other stuff on the inside there. So if you want to help out, that would be great. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 5. Um, last time we left off with the attacks coming. And we've, since Nehemiah came from, from Persia, from uh, 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 what would be the, the Persian Empire at that time, and made his way uh, to Jerusalem with a heart to rebuild the city and particularly the walls and establish, you know, the nation uh, again in that way. And of course, the Persian king and queen allowed him to go for what we'll see will be about 12 or so years um, to, to do that. We, we, we've seen he's run into um, obstacles and problems and uh, persecution. Uh, the enemy was attacking them. There was the Sambalats and the Tobias and those guys. They were uh, issuing threats, put-downs. They were making fun of them. They were trying to cause them to doubt, um, you know, all that and more. And uh, tonight, though, uh, they take a break. They sit on the sidelines. Uh, they're, they're moved out of the picture. The scene has kind of changed. And now the attacks and the problems are actually going to come from the inside. Uh, they're going to come from uh, the Jewish people themselves, uh, and so we'll talk about that. In the you know the, the attacks come from the outside, sometimes from the inside, and usually it's the ones that uh, are from the inside are the ones that that kind of hit you the most a lot of times because you know you kind of expect you know inside. Uh, the church, if you would, in our day and age, you know, uh, you kind of expect, you think, you know, everybody's on the same page or, you know, they want to do everything the right way or God's way and have the same kind of heart. And when it something breaks loose in a whole different direction, it usually catches you off guard and can be a, a big problem and a big discouragement. So 
again, these Sam Ballots and Tobias and all those external enemies are going to sit on the side and we're going to look at some problems on the inside. And verse 1 tells us, and there was a great outcry of the Jewish, pe- I'm sorry, of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. So um, before we talk about the problems, I just wanted to point something out here. Again, uh, the word Jewish here is being used. Now, uh, granted, in the New King James, it actually is used once uh, near the end of the book of Jeremiah, but pretty much that word Jew that we use today is, you know, came from after the Babylonian captivity from the land of Judah. And so if you would, that Jewish title um, you know, kind of stuck even to our day. And so really it's used in, you know, here at this point after the Babylonian return. And for what it's worth fact here, you know, that's kind of where the, the word Jewish comes from here. And it's used here uh, tonight, um, you know, as their Jewish brother. And so that's kind of what they're referring to themselves. Now, of course, when we get in the New Testament, you see it everywhere. But uh, here is where it's first being used. And so uh, again, um, I don't know, you can use that as a, as a trivia fact whenever you have a, <laughs> a group of people over or something and you want to ask them when Jewish came into being or something. So anyway, uh, but here it's, it's the first time it's referred to, so I thought I'd put it, uh, give it to you here. The newer translations, this is the first place it's uh, uh, here in uh, Esther. So anyway. All that's being said. So there was this great outcry about the people and their wives against the Jewish brethren. For those, for there were those who said, "We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live." There were uh, also some who said, "We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine." And there were also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is, the, is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be, uh, and they are forced, indeed, we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. Now, again, here is the problem. Here is the, uh, the trouble from the inside here. A few things were, were happening here. Now, th- there was some things going on in the land. Now, I just want you to note that this really doesn't have to do with the construction of the walls. We know that Nehemiah got permission from uh, Artaxerxes, the, the Persian king, to get timber and rocks and other things to support the, pro- the construction project. So uh, this really isn't connected to the construction project at all. Uh, it's, it, you know, it seems pretty clear that that construction project was being paid for. Um, so th- this wasn't a cause of that. There, it was the, Some of these problems were caused because there was a famine in the land, obviously it tells us that, right? The end of verse three. Um, and again, uh, don't think just because Nehemiah showed up, all of a sudden this has happened. He's been there a couple months by this point, give or take, uh, maybe a little bit less than that. It's hard to say exactly when this this happened, but he hadn't been there that long. So remember, this is stuff that's hap- been happening for a while, and now it's kind of like 
you know, Popeye, I guess I'm dating myself with that cartoon, but you know what used to Popeye used to say, uh, that's all I can stands, I can't stands no more. <laughs> and that's when he would pop open his spinach and take on Brutus, right? You guys remember the old Popeye cartoon? Sorry, you probably don't remember that, but you know, uh, again, it's all I can stands, I can't stands no more. You know, all of a sudden, you know, they realize Nehemiah is the governor, you know, they know that Nehemiah is a governor, he's a godly man, and they're bringing these problems to them. And one of the things, obviously, was there wasn't enough food to eat. And uh, because of that famine and because of taxes that were on their land, um, people had to mortgage their property. Remember, they came back to their family lands with, you know, before Ezra, when Joshua came back, and, and then with Ezra, and I imagine there was a couple other trips in between there, uh, and, and, you know, they were settling in their lands, but now all of a sudden, you know, they had taxes to pay on those vineyards or on those crops or on the, you know, animals that they had, or, you know, they, they couldn't afford uh, as much food for their families because of a famine. So all these things were going on, and so they would have to mortgage their land. They would go to those that had money and say, hey, listen, you know, we need money to pay for our taxes or to get extra food or whatever it might be. And, and so they would say, okay, we'll take your property as collateral, right? Like they kind of do today. But when they weren't able to, maybe they did that for their taxes, but then all of a sudden this famine hit, um, you know, then they weren't able to, to produce enough food or have enough to eat, or maybe they paid their taxes and, you know, with that, and then the famine hit, and now they're really hurting, so they needed some more money to buy food. And, um, and, and what these people were doing, and again, these were Jewish people, their brethren, it made it very clear, they're just like us, they're, they're, they're Jews just like us, you know, they have children just like us, you know, they're people just like us, but they're taking advantage of us here and uh, at, at the cost of okay when well, you don't have the land anymore well what do you what do you have for oh you have children okay well great it, you know um as we'll see they're going to be charging the money usury or interest we'd say today and okay well if you can't pay it then i'm going to take a couple of your kids and they'll be my workers or or slaves and they were doing that as well and uh, so this was this, these difficulties, you know, were creating this internal crisis in Judah. So put yourself in Nehemiah's shoes, right? Double trouble for him. He's dealing with the Sambalas and the Tobias and all those guys that are trying to discourage him from building the wall and accusing him of all different things and putting them down and all that. He's dealing with all of that. Their threats, remember, they had to keep sword in one hand and a trowel in the other hand to keep building. They had to stay on guard 24-7. They you know, didn't have time to sit down at all. Uh, you know, they you know, remember we talked about that last time. And he's dealing with all of that, that they could come at any time, and we're over on this side, and they attack over here, and we have to get over there. Now he's not only got to deal with that, but he's got to deal with all these problems from the inside, how Jewish people were treating other Jews. Um, and again, I think if we put it in our context a little bit, um, you know, how, how other Christians were treating other Christians, okay? Kind of maybe that helps you think of it in, in terms today. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be going through, we're, we are going through the book of 1 Corinthians, which has a lot to say about this too. So it's going to definitely have application uh, for us when we get into uh, a little farther into the book of uh, 1 Corinthians on, on, on Sunday. Uh, and 
again, so he's got this. He's got the security threat, and now he's also got this internal threat of Jews taking advantage of other Jews. So, yeah, I'll take your property. Okay, I'll charge you this, and, and you'll give me this. And then, okay, well, you paid your taxes with it, but now there's a family. Well, I need more, or I can't pay it back because I have to eat. You know, okay, well, then I'm going to take your children. Since I already own your land, I'll take your children. And again, what a huge distraction right in the middle of this great building project, all because of that word that's... <laughs> it's so alive and well today, which is greed at the end of the day. Remember, uh, building the walls did not create these problems, but it revealed the problems that were there, which often happens when a great work of God is going on. You, you know, uh, you, you set your mind, you set your heart for the things of the Lord. The Lord's called you, the Lord's using you or, or you know you're, you 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 want to be faithful in these areas and serve in these areas and do these things the lord's called you to do and and all of that and, and and all sorts of problems start to surface when that happens you know you'll have people on the kind of the outside that you know will be trying to distract you and discourage you and make fun of you and then sometimes the attacks come from on the inside and you know again they making these demands that you know and these problems that really tests our faith and our patience and our priorities and what happens is you know usually a couple of things either it brings out the best in people or the worst in people and you know you can see that here there are some people that'll you know all these things that are going on and tr troubles and trials and difficulties is is really going to make it shine forth and shine through of, you know, their commitment and their love for the Lord no matter what. And others that, you know, again, uh, brings out the worst in others. They see this opportunity that's right in front of them to take advantage of people. And uh, they do that because it's, wow, this is an opportunity is hitting me right in the face. And um, I guess the question we have to ask ourselves is, where do we land? This is, um, you know, what we talk about so often. And so, continually, it just seems like, you know, we're always kind of constantly talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. But this is a relationship our Heavenly Father wants to have with us. And it's just not, you know, He wants us to spend time with Him for an hour or two or three or whatever on a Sunday or maybe a little bit on Wednesday. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a relationship he wants to have with us 24-7 that enters all areas of our lives. Uh, you know that little book that I talk about quite often, you know, uh, Christ, My Home, I always get the title backwards, My Heart, Christ's Home. And it's this little booklet, and if you haven't read it before, and if if you want to see a copy of it, we have some around here. But, you know, it just is a great little illustration of, you know, talking about Jesus coming into a person's life and their life is like a home. And, you know, they come in and you know, they show them around. Oh, here's the kitchen. Here's, you know, uh, the family room. Here's the, uh, the garage. Here's the bedroom. But, oh, there's a couple, you know, there's a closet over here. I'll, I don't really want to show Jesus that. There's this other room over there. You know, I really kind of want him to stay out of that. And, uh, you know, talks about, uh, you, you know, do, do we 
open up our lives to him completely or you know do we just give him you know this room or this time or this day and you know when we give him our hearts and our lives which is our commitment as a christian you know it affects all areas of our life our work life our our recreational life our family life our you know personal lives all those things and again um you know where do we land on that and, and if and if you just reserve these little times and these little places and these little uh you know uh sections of, of the Lord where you're giving him time or attention or, or allowing him to do something or, you know, as people say, well, I went to church. I mean, what else does he want from me? Uh, then, you know, when things come up like this, you know, you don't have the filter of, of the spiritual eyes and you say, well, this is an opportunity to, to do this and get this or have that or go there, or buy this or whatever it might be. And we don't run it through that, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit and the Lord and, and what the Bible teaches. And, it, you know, well, I, you know, this is, you know, this has to do with business and making money. This isn't spiritual, churchy Bible things, you know, and they kind of try to segregate life. And, and that's what some of these guys were doing, which tends to bring out the worst in others. Um, again, uh, that's what was going on here. To a pretty harsh degree and Nehemiah's response is and I became very angry when I heard their outcry and these words now Nehemiah you know hears this and when he hears this he just he gets upset and I think one of the things that really made it hit home to him was the fact that if you look in verse 1 um, it, it talks about you know the people came and their wives it was you know specifically written in there and remember in that day and age in that culture and it's still like that in a number of cultures today it's you know our culture is trying to you know do a home run the other direction and i'm not saying one thing or another about that but in for right now but in this culture you know typically they didn't have that kind of strong voice and they just weren't given that strong voice. But when he saw their strong voice and how they really felt, I think it really moved him. Wow, these are normally the, you know, gals that really wouldn't say anything their husbands would represent, or they wouldn't even come into a place like that or talk to you know, certain people. They're, it's, they're, it's, they're so overwhelmed and it's so important that they're coming out and, and really pouring out their heart to me. And I, and I, you know, I have a feeling that was uh, another reason why this really just really hit Nehemiah and he became very hot and very angry when he hears all that was happening. Now again, I, this wasn't a, a, a couple of month thing or a, a six month, you know, this is things that's been happening. And I'm sure people have been doing this since they came back and, and had opportunity to do this. But uh, this is the first time that Nehemiah is seeing all that was going on. And maybe a very recent famine, you know, really brought this even to a greater degree, which very well could be. So he gets mad. He gets very upset. He gets very angry. And, you know, the next question you might be asking, well, was it wrong for Nehemiah to get angry? I mean, um, you know, some people look at Jesus and says, what's that thing, you know, uh, sorry, I always think I know these things, and then when I have to say them, I forget them. You know, something, you know, Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this child, or something that 
kind of famous um, little saying that people like to say about Jesus. And, uh, you know, they think being angry is, is uh, incongruent with what Scripture teaches. You know, that, oh, that, that's a, you know, this and that and all those kinds of things. Well, is it wrong or is it okay? And let, let me just tell you that what Scripture says, it, it's pretty clear on that. And I'll, I'll put up a verse. It's in uh, Ephesians 4.26. It says, you know, be angry and do not sin. And now it's in quotes in Ephesians because it's, he's really quoting from uh, the book of Psalms. And there's a couple of Psalms that say the same thing. And I'll put one of them on. Psalm 4.4 says, be angry and do not sin. Meditate with... Uh, within your heart on your bed and be still. So, you know, the New Testament quotation or, uh, you know, reference to a couple of scriptures in, in the Old Testament and Psalms um, talks about being angry. You know, there, there is a place to be and to have righteous anger. Now, now, certainly you see this in the life of Jesus too. You read Matthew 23. Um, you guys that are going through the New Testament with us every day, um, you know, when the Jesus was running to the religious leaders, um, I don't know if it was last night we read it, or yesterday's we were talking about it. I don't remember, Ethan and I were reading it last night together, and I'm trying to remember, but, you know, talked about his, uh, you know, uh, again, his being angry at the religious leaders and what they were doing and how they were treating the people and, uh, again, you, you'll run into that a lot through, if you're following through, we've run into a lot of those verses. And, and so there is righteous anger, and we should have some righteous anger, because there are things to be angry about. You know, when you see uh, people doing stuff wrong and evil and taking advantage of others or doing harmful things, man, I, 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 you got to be pretty disconnected if it doesn't hit here and, and really touch you. I think it does, but but the issue is then what do we do with it? You know, how do we? Oh, okay, it's yes. There's some righteous anger certainly, and it's we can see it in a number of places through Scripture, and certainly in the life of Jesus. But what do we do with that? And of course, you know, Ephesians tells us, "And sin not." So there's something we're to do with the anger and how we let that anger out and how we let that affect it, it does have some scriptural precedence and lessons for us to understand. And he, he's getting mad here now, Nehemiah, because of the problems they've caused, right? There's all this going on and they're taking advantage of their own people. And we'll see here in a little bit closer to the end of the chapter how Nehemiah is dealing with the people, which is going to be completely opposite. This guy's incredibly generous and helping out people any way he can. And then he hears all these other people that are in a similar situation that, you know, they have money and some influence and some power are just doing the opposite. They're taking advantage of the people. So, you know, he's going to say, well, you know, here's what I'm doing. Here's what they're doing. And, and of course, that's making them upset. So, uh, uh, and, and of course, one of the things that's causing him this anger is because of the greed um, that they would make a profit off of other people's troubles. And, um, and I can tell you that's one of the things that, man, I'll tell you, it gets my blood boiling too. And I, I, and I know most of you are like that with me along there today. And that kind of thing is alive and well today in our society. And as a matter of fact, 
in, in, in much of the business world, it's elevated as being shrewd, as it being, uh, man, that's a, that was a, an awesome tactic, you know, or that was something great, you know, to accomplish. You know, taking advantage uh, of a company or people, you know, uh, that are, uh, you know, in trouble in some way is, is sometimes looked upon upon very favorably in the business world. They're, they're waiting to pounce on an opportunity of somebody making a wrong decision or poor this happening or this, oh, we can snap this up for a song and a dance. And, uh, you know, it happens all the time. But again, it, it happens even on a more personal level. You, you know, most of you know my, my dad passed away um, some weeks ago and I talked to my mom, uh, I don't know, a few days ago, maybe it was a week ago now. I, lose track of time, but, um, you know, called her on the phone and said, you know, I'm with this insurance company and I'm sorry about your husband passing away. And I know you have three children and, you know, knew our names. And so I need some information so I can process, you know, this, um, insurance, you know, uh, payment and, and this and that. And, you know, my mom's 94 and, and, you know, it sounded so legit because they knew our, you know, her children's name. They knew that my dad had passed away. And, and you know, at, at some point, thankfully, she, you know, said, I'll have to call you back with some of the information they wanted. And I happened to call her right after that, that she had just got the phone with that and I said oh mom that's just a scam you know my you know my uh, I said dad's death certificate must have just hit the internet because we hadn't had a copy of it and and there's these people obviously and I didn't say this to her that are out there looking on the internet when a death certificate hits they'll look at what's going on and they're going to try to scam on people I, I just it's just hard for me to fathom that you are going to take advantage of somebody and try to rip them off when their husband of 67 years or their wife of 20 years or whatever their parents you know uh, in, you know in, in a horrible situation to take advantage of them and try to steal money from them i always think those people have a special rotting place in hell you know to to, to do something like that and or take advantage that my parents got burned about a year or two ago when they said oh we need to do this and they gave them their social security numbers and because they just didn't know you know they, they're trusting and and they thought it was a legitimate thing and and people just you know taking advantage of people uh that uh, off of their troubles it's just it's just horrible and it happens today i think those payday loan places are another one you know, taking advantage of people that are, you know, having a difficult, you know, uh, uh, making it from pay period to pay period, and they go down there and borrow ahead on these payday loans, and they charge them whatever twenty or twenty-five percent or thirty percent. I don't even know what they charge, but I know it's so ridiculous. Even the government was stepping in trying to regulate this a little bit. Just taking advantage of people's hard times and difficulties, or you know, are people going through hard? things in life you know go through a divorce and and then there's those people like okay well now they have to sell the house or they have to get rid of this or they have to sell this and oh man i can get such a great deal now because you know they have to sell it and and and, and i and i boy again it's one of those things that just really makes my blood boil um you know when you think of that and nehemiah was righteously mad 
And, and again, I just gave you a number of illustrations of how it just goes down today. And he gets righteously mad, but what does he do? Well, let's read the first three words in verse 7. And it says this, After serious thought. I like that. You know, uh, because yes, he's upset, and yes, he's righteously upset at these things. Those things were wrong, and they were wrong against the people. They were wrong against God. They were wrong in setting their example. There were so many bad and wrong things about it. But, you know, he, he, he gets some serious thought. If you would, he spends some time in prayer. I like that he doesn't fly off the handle. He spends some time considering what he should say what he should do about this. And I imagine because of we read of Nehemiah's past, he spent time praying about it as well. So I like that after serious thought. So he takes the time. Okay, how should I approach this, Lord? What should I do? How do you want this taken care of? He does that. And I think that's just such a key thing to our righteous anger uh, being conveyed righteously as the Lord intended. And he does that, and then he, it goes on in verse 7, And I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury from his brother. So I called a great assembly against them. So, you know, after some time, and some thought and some prayer, he calls the, the, those that are the, the rich and famous, the ones that have the money, that have the resources, that are doing this, and he tells them, you know what, guys, this is completely wrong. You know, what you're doing is so off the charts, ungodly and wrong, you, you know, he, he lets them know right off. And then the next thing he does is he, uh, you, know, you know, taking advantage of your own people, and again, he starts from the top, you know, those that are doing that. He clearly goes to them. Um, and, and, of course, we know that the law said that you shouldn't do this. Exodus 22 uh, talks about this, taking interest, taking advantage of people. It talks about being generous in the law so much of the time. It talks about that in the Old Testament so much. Uh, in the New Testament, it'll talk about, like I said, in 1 Corinthians, when we get to chapter 5 in a, in a week or so, We'll be talking about that. There was lawsuits in the Corinthian church. The, the believers were suing each other. And Paul said, you're going to take a, a case against another brother in the church before a, a, an ungodly judge and ask them to make a right decision? What are you guys, crazy? It would be better to be wronged than to do something like that. It would be better to, okay, let them have it. Let them win. Let them get away with it. Lord, I leave that in your hands than to, you know, make a big scene and be a bad witness in, in front of the, the church and the community and, and the judicial system, uh, you know, is better to be wrong, Paul would say. And uh, so again, throughout scripture, uh, you know, beginning to end talks about that, not to do that and to be generous as the father is generous. And and so Nehemiah gets on them and says, you know what, we're going we're gonna to take care of this in front of everybody. And so he calls them all together because everybody needs to hear, everybody needs to be a part of this. Those that are doing it, those that are taking advantage of, and those that maybe aren't in there, but that they might learn from this as well. And so he calls them all together. And then in verse 8, And I said to them, according to our ability, 
we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. Now indeed, will you even sell your brethren or should they be sold to us? So the first thing he says is, come on guys, think about this. We have just as a nation in the last, you know, 70, 80, 100 years, let's say, you know, underwent um, becoming uh, servants or slaves first to the Babylonians and then for, you know, three generations of that ish, you know, under slavery to them. And then when the, the Medes took over and then the Persians took over, you know, uh, we, we were under and sold the slaves. Hey, our, our, even our, our forefathers, those that went way before us back in Egypt were slaves. You, you, you know what it's like. We know as a people know what that's like. You even know what it's like. Most of you came out of that. And, and you were enslaved and used as slaves in Babylon, in Babylon or wherever they were dispersed to. And that's what they do. You're being just like everybody else. You're being just like the world. You know, you can take advantage and then you can get these people and these people can work for you and then you can make more money and then, you know, and then with that more money, you can get more people. And make, you know, you can see that. You know, the dollar signs were just flashing in their eyes. That's what the world does. We were subjected to that. And now we're finally moving out from underneath that. And you want to do it uh, to each other? Um, again, it's a great lesson. We need to be different than the peop how people, other people act and, and treat others. That's what makes us Christians. We're not like them. We don't act like them. We don't do things like they do. You know, that, that's the, 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 one of the great bright lights we have as believers is we're just not like them. Oh, oh they'll do that, but no, that's not what we're called to be. That's not what we're called to do. That's not what we're called to say or be a part of or whatever it might be here. And what he's saying, first of all, is you're just being like everybody else. And you know what it's like to be on that side of it. And yet you want to do that because it's more for you? And it goes on and it says, And then they were silenced and they found nothing to say. And then I said to them, What you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? They couldn't defend their actions when Jeremiah called them, I'm sorry, Jeremiah, when Nehemiah called them on the carpet. You, you know, he, he, you know, he tells them this and what are they going to say? I got to give them credit because a lot of people come up with excuses. Well, I thought this and I wasn't sure and somebody told me that was a good idea. So I went along with it. You know, it's the blame game. It's the shift blame. It's the, I wasn't sure, you know, all excuses, excuses and all this kind of stuff. And you have to give them credit here uh, that they didn't try to defend their actions. And I, I, that's always a good sign to me of, of a person's heart being somewhat soft, at least when you're calling the carpet, you know, you're not attacking back or excusing yourself in some reason. And, and then when they didn't say anything, Jeremiah continues, right? and Reminds them what a bad witness they are. You see what they were thinking was, they were thinking in terms of what a good business deal this is. Man, I, 
there's depressed prices. I can snap this up for this. I could take advantage of this. I can use this little bit of money that I have extra and I can multiply it into this. They were thinking in terms of how they could, how it could be profitable and how it could be good for them and how it could, you know, uh, be a great deal for them instead of what the Lord thinks. That's the important thing here. And that's what they completely missed. What they did was a shrewd and great business deal. And a lot of people will look at it. In fact, most people, certainly in that day, and if you updated it into our terms, they would say, wow, that's great. You're really going to get ahead here because you've made some great business deals here. You got a good business head, you know, or you fell into a great deal here. But they weren't thinking what the Lord was thinking and how he, if, if they should do this or not. And that's what I was talking about earlier when they divorce themselves from the things of the Lord. Well, I give them some time, you know, once a week or every couple of weeks or whenever I can kind of read the Bible or catch a video of a church service or something. But I got a lot of extra life to live over here. And then when those things happen that are, you know, not right, and not pleasing to God and, and aren't a good witness, you know, they don't really factor into the decisions people make because... He is over here once a week or once every couple of weeks or once a month. And I don't really factor that into my life and my decisions and how I act and what I do. And that's, you know, when people find themselves very uh, in a place where they're, the Lord is displeased with them. I like this, this one quote um, that said this. Um, this is where many business deals go wrong before God because there is no regard for God's will or wisdom. The only concern is if a deal can be made and if money will come from it, not if it's right or wrong. I like that. It's a good thing to remember, not just in business deals, but how we treat people, how we interact with people, uh, again, how we date people, uh, you know, how we handle things and all sorts of things. It's running it through the eyes and the filter of the Holy Spirit and the scripture that God has given us and godly advice and prayer and all that and, 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 all, and, and all that combined. And they, they just didn't do that, and they found themselves way over here. Something, again, I think we can learn from as well. Well, he goes on in verse 10, he says, I also with my brethren and my servants are lending them money and grain. Please, let us stop this usury. Restore now to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses also a hundred part of the money and the grain the new wine and the oil that you have charged them you know i love what nehemiah you know again could say here now remember this nehemiah didn't hear this and said oh i better clean up my act too or yeah i you know i can get on them but you know i'm i'm the governor Nehemiah was doing this. This was just life for him, helping people out. He knew there was need. He knew there was a famine. And he was any way he could. And, and those that were with him and those who were a part of him, right, were doing the same thing. Oh, you need something? It's great. Oh, okay, this and that. Oh, okay, great. And then he finds out 
not everybody's doing that. As a matter of fact, some are doing quite the opposite of that. And I like that because she could say, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Why aren't you guys doing that? How did you guys get to the point where you're charging them 1% of interest a month or 12% of interest a year? Uh, that's what 100th, right? You know, in, in our terms, the way we look at it today. I mean, he, he, he said, look how I'm doing it. How could you be doing that when, when I'm doing this? And, you know, what a great witness that is and how powerful it was to those people because that's the way he was doing He wasn't just saying it with his mouth. He was living it with his life. And, and they could look back and say, you know, and they could see and they would know that's exactly what he was doing. Yes, could he have done the same thing and made out? Yes, we'll talk about that in a little bit. He'll even say that. I could have made out like a bandit. I could have really been ahead if I would have taken advantage of people, but that would be dishonoring the Lord. And again, you guys have been taking that back and you need to make this right. You know, it never entered his mind to take things like that. Even if somebody didn't pay, you know, I'm not gonna take any of any of their things. And they were charging 12%. Now, a lot of us think of that, wait a minute, my visa bill's at least 14% or, you know, um, you know, what was something the other day, they sent me a credit card and said, yeah, you can do all this. And it was like 21% interest. I'm like, Whoosh. you know, wow. Again, some 25%, uh, you know, that was a big thing. Um, when the Apple card first came out was that, you know, they wanted you to have the Apple card, but the interest rate was like 26% or something. And they were paying like, uh, prime was a you know half a percent or one percent I mean they're making this huge profit margin and they kind of shamed Apple into dropping that down but you know uh, again our day is even worse than that and you know uh, again Nehemiah just didn't want them just to feel bad about this but to change the way they were doing things he's telling them right here guys you need to make this right. And I think that's so important as well. So important to do. Shows true repentance, shows true obedience. Hey, yes, okay, you're acknowledging by your silence that you know this is wrong and you know this is against what, what, what the Lord would do. And, and obviously you can see the godly example of what the right thing is to do. And there's many witnesses against what you're doing is wrong and ungodly and it goes against you know, all the things that the Lord wanted to do. And now your choice is, what are you going to do? You need to make it right. And you need to show repentance. It wasn't, okay, you're right, I did something wrong. Well, that's good. And that's important. But I also think, you know, when, when that's revealed to us, that we got to make it right. Not just acknowledge the fact that we did something wrong, but if there's a, a way to make it right, then that really shows that we're serious about our repentance and about our obedience. And if there's something you need to do to make, uh, you know, you're, you know, you did something wrong and, and, and you can make it right, then we need to make it right. We just need to make it right. And he's telling them, you just need to make it right today. Well, let's read the reaction, verse 12. So they said, we will restore it and will require nothing more from them. We will do as you say. So I, then I called the priests and required an oath from them 
that they would do according to this promise. And then I shook out the folds of my garment and said, so may God shake out each man from his house, from the, his property, who does not perform this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And I all assembled, and all the assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. Then the people did according to this promise. I, I like that. So, okay, you guys want to do the right thing? And they agree, yep, we're going to do the right thing. And so he calls up the spiritual leaders, you know, in front of the people, you know, and in front of the priests and says, if you're serious, and you want to do what's right, then you need to come before the Lord and make this commitment. And, you know, you're doing this, you know, before these witnesses, but your commitment is before the Lord. And... The great thing is the people were teachable and they allowed the Lord to correct them. Um, I, I think this is, this, is, this is great. This is so important because uh, few people are willing to admit uh, when they've done something wrong and do something right, especially when money's involved. You know, if money's involved, uh, you know, you've just seen so many things happen uh, when when money's involved, uh, you know, even the closest of families can get in all sorts of, you know, painful and difficult and hateful and mistrust places when it has to do with money. Um, you know, uh, you, you know, that's that's the stronghold of the enemy in so many people's lives. It's like, OK, I'll do this. But if it's going to cost me, well, no, then all bets are off. And, and that's typically the way most people are. Even sadly, a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, well, yeah, I'll admit it, but it's going to cost me to make this right. I took advantage of that person, and, and this is what I really did, or, you know, I took advantage of you, Lord, and somehow I'm going to make it right. And, and here it is, and, you know, but, oh, 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 but, but it's going to cost me? Well, <laughs> you know, okay, I'll acknowledge it, but, you know, when money's involved, it's few people are willing to do that. And, uh, but these guys weren't, and I like that. They all repented and started to do what was right, and they made it right, and I think that's such an important lesson for us to learn as well. Yeah, I, I, yes, what they should have done was the lead Nehemiah did. They should have known the law, you know, greed, dollar signs, easy money. Boy, we could really get ahead here. You know, just they got swept up in that, and they, and they went that way, and they shouldn't have, but when they were called on the carpet, they re repented and trusted the Lord and did what was right and, again, made everything right. And uh, I think that's what we need to do, too. And as the Lord speaks to us, we, we need to do that. Um, you know, that's where we get that peace and, and we get that, uh, you, you know, the, when we're working against the Lord, he, he, he makes it miserable for a reason because he wants to get us back into the place where we should be. And it's not easy being in a place like that. And he is drawing them back to do this and, and they're willing and open to do that, even when money is involved. Well, let's finish up this chapter here because he gives a little bit more information about him here. Verse 14 says, Moreover, from that time I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah from my 20th year until the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years. 
Neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of the Lord, because of the fear of God. So Nehemiah said, listen, in the 12 years that I was, you know, governor, I had the opportunity to do much. And many people had certainly have done that. And, uh, but, but I, I didn't do that because I knew it was wrong. Again, I, uh, here's another quote I, I thought was uh, very appropriate. And it says, uh, when it came to putting the work of God ahead of his own personal interest, Nehemiah was first in line. He certainly had the right to tax the people for his support. You know, others had done it before him, but he doesn't take that right because it wouldn't help the work of God. You know, he had the right, and you know, the the, the government, the Persian government, and the kingdoms allowed them to to be able to, you know, uh, tax the people so that they could have support and have this and all that. But, but Nehemiah knew that wouldn't honor, the God, uh, wouldn't honor the Lord and it would hinder from the work of, that God wanted to do there. So he said, I'm not going to do it. Um, I think there's a parallel passage to this in the New Testament. Uh, you know, Paul the Apostle, he, he could have um, lived off the the uh, you know rightfully so and could have off of the support from other churches he could have said hey listen you know i'm out there doing this missionary work um you know and it's it's right to be supported this is uh, you know god's will god's plan and you know you should keep the money rolling in so i can go out and do this and and, and, and you know and it would have been right and good and 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 you know right even but he, Paul said, listen, I, I, I realize that could in some places and sometime hinder God's work and people misunderstand that. So he worked with his own hands. He supported himself, not all the time, but a, a, a good portion of the time he supported himself. And particularly when he was in a new area, and if the support wasn't coming in, he'd just go get a job. Now he, had a, uh, he was able to, to work, he had a trade, and so that's what he would do. And again, uh, what Nehemiah was thinking, what Paul was thinking, and, and many godly people in between all of that and after and before uh, were thinking, how will my actions look before God? That's what's important to me. You know, a lot of people have this idea is, well, it's all fair in love and war, right? You know, if I can do this and I can make this or get this or go there, do that, well, then I should be able to do that. Rather than, you know, stepping, taking a step back saying, okay, yeah, I can do that. And yes, I, I can get that or have that or get that or whatever it might be. But how is that? Is that pleasing to you, Lord? Is that what you would have me to do? How does that affect my testimony before people? Uh, what do my actions look like to you? Um, and, and that's so important and so critical that we think that. I mean, you know, not the best illustration, but you know, good old Google, when they first started out, their mantra was, you know, don't be evil, right? 
and somewhere I think it's still in there. But the funny thing of it is, you know, now there is so much work in the last, you know, years of trying to block them from taking every shred of information and about you or what you eat, where you go, what you do, what you wear, what you buy, what you, you know, what you drive, where you get your, you know, they're trying to scoop up and vacuum up every, you know, bit of information so that they might get ahead. And I, I think it's kind of funny, you know, their whole thing was don't be evil. And yet the reality of it is, you know, uh, that's what it is. And, and now they have to come up with systems and suits and governments that are trying to stop them from all that kind of stuff. And that's just one example. But, but as believers, again, uh, we need to hold our actions and everything in the light of God's word and in his Holy Spirit. Yes, you could do that. And yes, you can, you know, get that or go there or say that or be a part of this or invest in that or buy this or do that, whatever, get this or whatever. But Lord, what do you think? Is that what you'd have me to do? How are my actions going to look? Is this going to honor you? Is this going to be pleasing to you? And he had a right to do that. Paul had the right to be supported. But in, in many cases, and in this case, he said, I, I just knew it, would, it wouldn't help the work of God, and so I'm not going to do it. And so we don't have to demand our rights. We have to just go to our Father and say, what, what would you have me do? What would you have me to do? And that's what he did. In verse 16, he finishes with this, says, Indeed, I also continued... Uh, the work on this wall, and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. And finally, Nehemiah says, listen, I could have made a killing. I could have made a killing here. There was depressed prices. People were going through all sorts of financial problems. I could have taken the money that the king had given me and the support that had been has been coming in from Persia. I could have made a killing here. Man, I, I could have been set for life. But he said, I didn't do that. I'm not going to do that because that wouldn't honor the Lord. Putting the Lord first. And then finally, he says in verse 17, And at my table were 150 Jews and rulers, besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox, six choice sheep, also fowl was prepared before me, and once every ten days an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions because, of the, bo because the bondage was heavy on this people." Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. So he said, yes, this was my provision, this was my support, but did I just keep it all for myself? Did I just do this? He said, no. I had 150 people plus eating meals with me. I mean, you know, you have a family gathering with 30 or 40 people, and that's a pretty big gathering, but, you know, 150 is like a wedding reception every meal at your place, right? I mean, that's a lot of people he was taking care of. And he says, Lord, you know, remember what I was doing. You know, I was putting the people uh, and you first and not my own interests and not what I was going to get out of the deal. And, and that's what he was doing before the Lord, not for the praise of man, just as Jesus taught, you know, do what you do um, in secret that you might be rewarded openly one day. You know, have that heart that's in your heart, not parading it around, but in your heart that, you know, you want to do God's will and God's work and do it his way. 
and uh, that honors him. And, and as we see in the life of Nehemiah, you know, uh, that great generosity was just totally in heart, heart and harmony with our Heavenly Father. Amen? Well, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and these words, Lord, and this is the reminder of just uh, you being involved in every aspect of our lives, Lord. Uh, you know, uh, in particular our finances, which is a, people, uh, a section that, Father, I know a lot of people struggle with. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I got to think about me, I got to think about mine, I got to think about this, I got, you know, and it, 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 it's, a, it's a very tough situation. And, um, but Father, you, you know, your promises that you'll never leave us or forsake us. They're promises that, you know, uh, you take care of the sparrows. How much more us? We have so many, so many precious promises from you and, and uh, things that you've told us and reminded us how you'll take care of us. And uh, we don't need to, to do these things and come up with these schemes and come up with these quick, rich things and all this. Uh, uh, Father, or hold on to it so miserly, you know, become a bunch of Scrooges either. Or we hold on to everything so tightly and, uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, have uh, short arms and deep pockets. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not what you'd have us to be, Lord. And we thank you for the great example set before us here, Lord, and help us to be this way in our lives as well, Lord, in everything. May we go to you and, and, and seek to please you in everything. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.